welcome to Solutions from the Yard, a candid discussion about life behind bars and its effect on society. We'll discuss reintegration or re-entry back into the community post-incarceration. Your host for this episode is Charles Hopkins. Today we'll be talking about poverty and the correlation between poverty and prison. Joining me are my two cohorts, Dietrich Trent and Michael dickerson Uh Welcome, gentlemen. How you doing? How you doing? All right, let's just jump right into it. Uh, according to a statistic, it takes $68,000 a year to live in the, the District of Columbia. Uh, and then when it broke it down, it broke down what that encompassed as far as what that $68,000 would pay for. We recognize that in the District of Columbia, uh, the cost of living is very high. According to correctional experts, right, uh, of political persuasions, they understand that releasing a person from prison without a job, without training, and without education is a formula for recidivism. Now, all of us have been released from prison. And coming out of prison, we all had been confronted with those things as far as the need for a job, if we had education, they got to use our education to try to get a job and or have some form of employment in order to get housing. Dietrich, when you got released, aside from the fact that you might have had some support, what did you see as the number one barrier in terms of you getting out and being able to find your, your way and setting up yourself to be able to become self-sufficient or at least take care of yourself and have a family member? My, well, great question, first of all. <clears throat> well, my number one barrier was being patient, right, with the process. And meaning by the patient, but the process mm-hmm. because I went, when I first came, when I first was released, I didn't go to no job training. I didn't go to none of this. I, I got a job by word of a mouth of a friend of mine's. And through this through this process of me working, I knew that I didn't really it was a it was a it was basically it wasn't a real career driven job that mm-hmm. was gonna have any sustaining last ability, you know, that was gonna be fruitful at the end. So it, it wasn't no future in the job I was doing. And I was one of the things was finding someone that was gonna give me uh a opportunity. Right? And mean really giving me an opportunity. So I had to go through so I had to strip myself of everything that I knew and take myself to a job training program to get some type of backing and on me to be saying that someone could speak for him on my behalf to say, yeah, give this guy a chance, develop some type of relationships. Now, this is the problem in this when you're coming home, from, you know, everybody's not going to be successful in that route. Everybody can't be patient except because I took a stipend, which was for a whole year. <laughs> I was taking mm-hmm. a stipend, but what, I. What's a stipend? A stipend is a government. It's a government grant, mm-hmm. right? 
do they give organizations to hire? It's a government grant that they give uh, organizations to hire individuals with stipulations, and you you don't work, you don't make so much money. You you get a, a, a man at least about six hundred eight hundred dollars every two weeks through these government uh, stipends, and I was making that about about six to seven hundred dollars every two weeks, mm. right? It wasn't enough. It wasn't. It wasn't a good good thing I had support. But, okay, okay, we're going to come back to that, too. And good thing I, I had support. But I seen some of the brothers that I did know that came home that was facing the same opportunities I did and, and went through the same route I went through. They did, it, didn't, it wasn't successful for them because it wasn't built for you to be successful in these type of programs except in these stipends. When you got out, did you have a, a, a job uh, ready, available for you? And what was your situation like as far as the things that you was confronted with once you once you got out? Um, when I got out, I didn't have no job waiting for me. I, I was on um I was on fifty days home confinement. Was and I was at the extreme level, so it wasn't no coming out, you know, I only could come out maybe once a week and sometime I couldn't even come out then. Uh but once I um finished the 50 days home confinement, the main thing that I was doing was uh like trying to get my vital documentation, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew that that was going to be my foundation, getting my ID, my uh, driver's license, getting my social security card, birth certificate, things of that nature. That was the first things that I did. And uh, once I did that, I opened up a bank account and then I wound up going back to school. And I went to school and got a stipend pay. And that was one of the things that uh, kept me afloat, you know, kept a little money in my pocket, and I had the little stipend pay. All right, let, let, let's talk about uh, poverty. And me and Deidre was talking about this earlier. Let's talk about poverty. I know when I was locked up, I, I looked around, and I seen whole neighborhoods locked up. Everybody in the neighborhood was locked up. And most of the people that was there came from uh, low-income housing, uh, subsidized housing, and found themselves in that situation. Do you think it's a correlation, Mike, between poverty and imprisonment? If so, how? Um, of course. I mean, you know, some people, uh, you know, say it's, you know, systematic, you know, um, and, you know, not to get into anyone else's narrative, but from what I've seen in my lifetime, um, you know, poverty in prison is definitely, uh, they are connected mm-hmm. because from when you know your history, you know, keeping us uneducated was one of the main priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got the, uh, you know, you got the Supreme Court, um, Brown versus uh to be a board of education. Education, right. So if you can keep a person uneducated, you can keep them uh, you know, ignorant, have a lack of knowledge, then having a lack of knowledge, you can't get certain jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you you know, you looking at the statistics, you know, it always says that uh white men always earn more than black men. Mm-hmm. And you know, nine times out of ten, they went to college. So, you know, I always tell people a college degree really is nothing but a validation. 
You know, it don't mean that you're stupid. It don't mean that you don't know this or don't know that. It's just a validation to work in certain industries mm. that can pay you more money. So the greater your validation, the greater your pay. You know, so when you looking at it from that perspective, you know, and having to pay to go to college and all these different things, when you have that form of lack of education and you have a system that was built and predicated on certain people going to college, certain people getting these degrees, certain people getting these these particular type of jobs that pay a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it like that, uh, when we 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 the way we came up, we was uneducated, and we only can afford certain type of housing. So mm-hmm. that certain type of housing, low income housing, you put a bunch of us together, um, you put. Drugs and crime there, and you know now you have the prison system. Mm. So I so I look at it as more so systematic, whereas though it was something that was done, you know, mm-hmm. to it's it's like an experiment. You know, that's why we call them projects because mm. it was an experiment. And did you spoke on that when and you, when you got out, and we spoke earlier about this when you got out, uh, you was able to navigate certain things. Other people are fortunate. Uh, speak on from your own personal experience, witnessing the whole neighborhoods being locked up in in an environment where you at, and why you think that was the case in, in this in general. Okay, I'm gonna start with the first part of the question about me navigating and seeing um, people going through that wasn't experiencing success. And I now I'm going to touch on something that Mike just spoke about because it's very important. You know, poverty gave birth to projects in prison. At one point in time, their neighborhood was a prison because everything of slum was there. Everything of under-resourced, and that, you know, that was considered, you know, the project, the prison. You know, and so they said, we can't, they, they, they escaping out of here. They started to branch out, so we need to put them somewhere that they can't go nowhere. So that's what, and all this was the birth of out of poverty. And meaning, if I'm being released from prison with, say, a $50, they give you $50 when you release. That's what they gave me. $50, as you did prior, um, to month, so many, <laughs> many, <laughs> I ain't it's laughing. Serious. It's not funny, it's serious. And you get released with this. And this, uh, this might be someone only income they have to their name is this $50. That was me. No edu- Yes. Right? And so it's, it's setting you up for recidivism because I know you got to go back to your neighborhood where it's nothing but poverty yet. Mm. There's nothing there that's that's going to help you grow. Mm-hmm. Right? There's is It lacks of resources. That's right. Right? The, uh, it's high in crime mm-hmm. according to you, to the statistics. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's it's over police populated, mm-hmm. you know. So it's 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 a breeding pot for you to get frustrated and to dive back into to what you know. Because we've seen a lot, brother. You know, we we see it a lot, man. This ain't working because uh, I don't have training for this job, or this job ain't paying me enough money, man. I don't want to work that job. I, I, it ain't paying me enough money because it comes a point that it, it, it it's a gray area where certain men that come from poverty structures 
you only reach certain level in life when it comes to economics mm-hmm. status because if we allow you to reach uh anything beyond that you will gain independence and then will you will be able to control your own destiny but if you always need the me to provide for you to help you be successful i always going to give you peanuts and that's what makes recidivism so great when you living in putting the brothers and sisters back into poverty situations mm-hmm. and putting them back into no win situations, right? And that's the thing about about, about about prison. In prison is like poverty. You know, living in prison. You know, you 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 have the brothers that that got food, the brothers that don't got food. <laughs> you, you we go through it. Brothers that got, got man only food. They got is going to the kitchen. They ain't hungry after the kitchen. So, and it's a lot of brothers come from from certain neighborhoods getting to that point about all we see it but you see over 20 individuals from one certain neighborhoods all of them doing many calendars of years this is not by by uh, by, this is not by oh all of them got caught this is by coincidence this is a setup and structure for to have these many people from certain neighborhoods that's in these poverty situations so you can help build the economy Mm-hmm. You know what? And I, I'm looking at uh, what you said earlier about the, uh, how much money we make. And I know when I got out, I had got my SSI, right? So I was getting five thirty. Okay, I got I was getting one eighty in food stamps. And this is, and I'm living in a transition house. All right. If I if I I don't have money to spend, I don't have no money. It's COVID, but even if it wasn't COVID, wasn't there? I don't have no money to spend on no social activity, mm-hmm. right? The uh, and mind you, I did all this time. I did forty eight years in prison. So now I'm, my whole goal is to get a place. And Mike, I want you to pick up on this. My whole goal is to get a place to stay. How do I get a place to stay? When in the District of Columbia, according to a report, in the District of Columbia. And efficiency is 2100. And efficiency in certain parts of the District of Columbia is 21. But say the efficiency is 18, 1800 a month. Don't include electricity or none of the utilities. How do I how do I get an efficiency when I'm only getting 530? Overall, that's it. That's the amount of money. The total amount of money I'm getting is five thirty. How do I get an efficiency with five thirty? And mind you, according to the Social Security Administration, and I'm a victim of it at this time. I'm saying a victim because that's exactly where I am. You can't save over a certain amount of money. If you save over a certain amount of money, they're gonna take your they're gonna take your <laughs> Social Security and make you pay it back. And then to this point, I'm paying it back. So how do I how do I I'm, I come out of an impoverished environment. How do I get the ability to become self-sufficient? And what do that do for me psychologically when I don't have that ability to become self-sufficient? I'm in this environment, Mike. Uh, well, first I want to ask you, is you talk about coming just from poverty or coming from prison? I'm talking about coming from both. Both. <laughs> 
I mean, man, it might sound funny, but you you gonna wind up returning to the streets, mm. or you gonna wind up, you better get yourself a sugar mom or something. <laughs> That's the only way you, because <laughs> it's go, it's impossible. Mm. You know, uh, the cost of living in Washington D.C. is extremely high. You know, when I was uh, uh before I got incarcerated, um, I got incarcerated in nineteen ninety six. You know. Uh, when rent was like eight hundred, anything went from eight hundred to a thousand dollars. That was like wow. Yes, right. that was a lot of money, you know. So, um, so when I came came home, and you know, I started seeing rent sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred. You know, it was double what I considered or what was considered high amongst, you know, just the regular population. <laughs> yeah, period. Right. You know what I'm saying? You had to be, you know, up there just to pay that type of rent. So um, now for them to raise the, uh, you know, raise rent that high, it's it's almost virtually impossible, especially if you a returning citizen with no form of uh, education That's right. That's right. and no form of, of certification. Because, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays, you know, you just can't walk up on the job and, and, and just put in a resume and an um, application and just get the job. You know, that's slowly converted and changed over. Now everything you got to be certified. Every single thing you got to be certified in. So, yeah, so everything you got to be certified in. And um, that's the way it is. And, you know, uh, you know, nowadays, that's how it is, you know, in Washington, D.C. If you're not certified in something or have some form of certification, you're not going to be able to make good money, you know. And it's it, like I said, it's, um, you know, to me, that's a part of the gentrification. You know, because if we can um, create a, a budget system where as though you can't, if you can't, uh, you know what I'm saying, ball with the game and the ballers, then you you, you just going to sit on the sideline. That's right. So, I mean, you know, to me, that's that's systematic as well, you know. Um, and that's one of the things that I've seen in the changes in Washington, D.C. for me doing 24 years, how they just created a system where as though if you not, Certified and making a certain amount of money, you can't live here. And Dietrich, and you in the you in the community uh, all the time. You know, you, you work with a uh, DC kitchen, so you in a space where you dealing with food deserts, and you always providing the services for people. But how do you know when we look at like Green Leaf and Potomac Garden or Clay Terrace? We look at these these dwellings that you know uh, in Potomac Garden. They had a uh, attorney general had come in and say like the, the living conditions were so dilapidated that the housing administration they was charging the housing. How do how do people survive in this impoverished way? And then you come out and you return a citizen, and that's where your mother live at. She been living there, been locked up twenty four years. She been living there all the twenty four years, and that's your residency. How do how do we survive that that impoverished environment? And and be able to not go back to prison, or or is that a formula for going back to prison? Mm, great question, and I got to go back to deeper to slavery. Meaning, when they survive, you know, when you had to overcome a lot of things, and living in in poverty and. The beauty thing about us living in poverty, we make it look like it ain't. We we and even though it's that's that's a mental thing, but 
dealing with the circumstances and and the vibe and I don't and this and a lot of things are systematically structured for the things to be the way they are, right? And a lot of these, do you, you recall? In the, in the late eighties and early nineties, when they was when it became, they changed the word. They made the word "crew" criminalize. They criminalized the name, the word "crew," because that's when they started locking up all these. They started saying, "Oh, these such and such a crew. These such as these are individuals that we all grew up around the same poverty." We just all live around the same neighborhood, and we all friends. We grew up. We are we are a community. What nothing? What nothing? Such a thing as a as a crew, and it's as as these natures how they try to put it. But the thing about it, how these brothers we had to survive in this poverty, and then to come back from doing time to come back to such traumatized. Mm. If you know what I'm saying, because coming back to the to where you grew up is such trauma. Especially if it, if it was bad for you, especially you know what I'm saying. But it, it just a lot of things that you knew grew up around there and you you experienced and seen, it's trauma, right? Sometimes I get around my neighbor, I be like, man, mm-hmm. I, I relive, I seen something that you know that remind me of a lot of things if we're growing up. But the thing how it is about with this, I want to touch on something with what you were speaking on about was me, I experienced coming home, and how. I knew if I didn't uh, have have that fortitude to keep pushing forward, right? Because I went to every organization, and I mean the government that's saying that they pull, I went to try to get food stamps. You know what? I was told I work for Aussie. You don't deserve food stamps. Mm-hmm. I said, huh? This is exactly what they told me. This is not. This is they told me this. I work. I said, but I get. They didn't. They didn't know nothing about a stipend. I said, I'm working for Project Power. And Project Power got me to go to. You know, I got the eyes. They didn't know it. All they seen that. Oh, you work for the Office of State of Superintendent of Education. There's no way you' supposed to be needing food stamps. Mm. That's the. That's what they. I never got any public benefits since I've been home, and I wanted to speak on that about about that 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 that. that uh, that group of individuals that's that go undocumented when it comes to uh, earning income because they wasn't well, they wasn't legal you know juveniles they wasn't legal for I- income you know mm. they wasn't they they wasn't in the workforce mm. so that was one of the birds I had to, to, to come home to because I never had established myself out here as an adult so when I came home I didn't have no credit history no work history. Mm. That was one of the main things. They all, you ain't got no credit history. You ain't got no work history. Where, where you been at? Like I was an Elliot. Where, mm-hmm. Who are you? Mm-hmm. I said, well, I've been in prison. Right. Right? Well, oh, we, yeah, we can't. This is a barrier. You know, and this is something that needs to be addressed. You know, as far as when it comes to people coming back and you putting them in, it should be some type of workforce development that's going on and putting people they putting people into uh out there in, in California. We want to do the uh, valley. Silicon Valley. Yeah, Silicon Valley. Why it's a lot of in it's a lot of it's a lot of industries that is we got a lot of brothers that could take advantage of. But the thing about it why we don't can't take advantage of because 
It's just the, today the way they teach our, teach us in school, they before they took all the trades out. Every trade is gone. If a man have a trade with his hands, he always got a job. Mm-hmm. He always know how to make an income. But if I take him out and out of the schools, I'm taking something away from you all that you would never be able to utilize unless you pay to do it. It was used to be free. Every man need to know a trade. You need to learn how to agriculture. You need to learn how to carpentry. You need how to learn how to fix a car. You need to, it was it was many things that that they taught in school, plumbing, everything. All these stuff is our lifetime trades that they took them away. So our kids are suffering with no money, no no skills, no job skills, no education. So they ain't doing nothing but sitting in poverty, waiting for their next day to go through the RD to go to prison. All right, so as, as we wrap this up, uh, as we wrap this up, uh, you just gave, yeah, you just gave uh, one solution as far as uh, workforce development and the necessity for implementing, putting trades and things back, in, which is a good point, working with your hand. Mike, what would you, in terms of like uh, coming out of prison and revisiting that poverty and that trauma, what would, what would you offer if you had to offer a solution for to help curb that or stem that tide? Um, you know, just to uh, paraphrase something that comes from the uh, Bible, it says um, our people perish from the lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the thing that uh, we really have to get back into, similar to what Diedrich was saying, you know, get back into stop charging for education and start, you know, start uh, giving education, because education is supposed to be free. That's education right. shouldn't be paid for, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, therefore, we have to really get back into uh, uh, giving those that type of education to the people that can't pay to go to college, mm-hmm. and that that'll that'll create a better workforce amongst us as a people. Because now you can't say, um, well, the reason why you couldn't get this job or that job because you don't have a college degree. You were giving me a chance, giving me a chance, mm-hmm. giving me a chance to be able to get a certification. Mm-hmm. Once you give me that chance, then. You know, then we can we can start changing the narrative, and that's my thing is we we have to be uh, better better educated because we are living in the system now in in the day and era that you have to be educated. You have to have certain degrees and certain uh set of skills. So therefore, my thing is you know start putting vocational training back into metropolitan schools. That's one of the things that will help us out a lot. And remember, we was at the we was at the table event where they was talking about uh, that putting vocation exactly. back in the schools, right? Exactly. Teacher. I just want to, because he just made, brother Dickinson there just made me think about something, and this is true, Bill. And I want people, the audience, and everyone to know this: there's haven't been no new universities built, and I don't know how many years ago. There's no 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 more education institutions are being built. But there are prison institutions being built every day. Mm-hmm. So that shit tells you <laughs> we don't care about your education or none of that. We only care about you feeding this pipeline. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's through and, and and all that set up through poverty, bro. And there you have it. Uh we we recognize that education is key because most people that's impoverished, they they have a tendency to accept their plight as this is the only way out. Uh, but we know that 
you can reverse that process by one, educating them to understand you have a right, you have an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's according to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're advocating. We're advocating that education. And uh, thank you for joining us from Solutions from the Yard. You've been listening to Solutions from the Yard. This podcast is presented by Voices for a Second Chance, a comprehensive re-entry program that provides culturally appropriate, trauma-informed, gender-specific, and peer-based services. For more information, go to info at vscdc.org or visit our website at www.vscdc.org.